Life inspired by poetry. Let's give it some lip. Ta-da. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm here today, obviously, with TB. It's wonderful to have you back with me. But we are also joined today by Peter, who's going to be talking about and bringing us a different perspective than one we've had so far. We're going to be looking at bush poetry. And so there is, along with that, probably some things that we're going to talk about as far as cultural heritage, some things about nationhood, some things about probably that masculine side of things as well. How are we feeling about that, TB? New ground for me, I have to say, too, because it's it isn't very often that I am attracted to poems that have this male perspective, but I do understand the value of it. And I'd like to learn some more. So this is going to be a real journey for me today. Um, So Peter, it'd be great to get some insights from you. It's going to help me here. That's right. So um, Peter, why don't you give us an understanding of, you know, why you've been drawn to bush poetry, what you're going to be bringing us today, and just a little bit about you. Okay. Well, thanks, TB and Ginny. And I will. Um, So like it's been a love affair of mine for many, many years. And the honest to goodness, true story of how it started was when I was 10 years old and uh, and dad had a book of bush poetry and offered me 50 cents if I could learn the man from Snowy River. Nice. Um, <laughs> Good dad. Good yeah. Dad. <laughs> well, you know, when when our the only way that we could get po- money, pocket money back then was by doing chores, and the maximum you could get was probably twenty cents a week. Fifty cents for one poem seemed like a good idea. So and poems were worth more than chores. Is that right. what you told me in your household? That's that's great. Yep. That is good. Um, and on that particular poem, I don't think I ever learned to recite the whole thing because it's about 16 pages long, but I did get you know, a solid way through it. But that um, started my love affair with um, poetry, bush poetry in, in, uh, in particular. Um, and then it continued on into the army and uh, where I still am. And if you can imagine a bunch of uh, you know, 15 or 20 young lieutenants um, with no money, and uh, living in a you know in an officer's mess, and we all liked the same things. And um, every off-pay Tuesday night, we would get dressed into our finest uniforms, and we'd have silver service by the staff, and we'd smoke cigars and drink port, and stand up and recite bush poetry every second Tuesday wow. for years. So <laughs> so that's how it all started. So, can I take it that your life has been inspired by poetry? Uh, inspired, I think, I think, um, certainly, uh, you can, I think I've been shaped by my, my, um, review of poetry and the way that it's, um, the way that we envisage ourselves trying to fit into these characters that these guys, um, write about. And, and I think certainly for a large part of Australia's, um, you know, white heritage, it's been been that way. It's, we're moving away from that now, but certainly from my perspective and looking back at the last sort of 150 years, you know, the Australian psyche and the, and the Australian character and what we thought of ourselves was built around what the poets of the time wrote about, these big strapping men who could do anything and mm-hmm. just took, took um, with a grain of salt, any um, disaster that befell them. And then, okay, let's move on, done that, fix that, that's what's next. What else can go wrong in my life? So is this where the blokey Australian male originated? Uh, I think that it's been 
I think that yes, it's been extracted out of this these particular characters, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's poignant that tomorrow is Anzac Day um, because you know the identity of Australian soldiers um, certainly was based on these you know brilliant men from the bush who could do anything and had you know who were these larrikin types of guys, but they were completely fierce in battle and loyal and and all those other things resilient and, yeah, and, perseverance yep. and that's how the you know that's how that australian identity was crafted in world war 1 you know in fact the boer war first and then into world war 1 okay so um, it's it's an interesting uh, dynamic to look at 120 odd years later it is it is interesting to watch that um, especially that male australian white australian identity happen from the bush to the Anzac and how it has been extrapolated out now from that. Mm. Um, and it's, it, you can see it in poetry as well, in the way that poetry has looked at, even at landscape through these different lenses. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sure most of us with children will have seen, um, you know, the, the changes in the current generations of children coming through that that don't seem to have those same qualities, and that's just a natural evolution of um, of society. And so that that Australian sort of larrikin, bushy sort of bloke will be lost, you know, very shortly. I'm sure to the to the annals of history. So, but you know, for an import for 150 years or so, it was quite important to the the identity of who's Australian and what's Australian and. There we go. And it will always remain in poetry. It will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy we're going to talk about today, I, he just happens to be on that $10 bill. There that's is. him That's him right there. The sig- his significance. He's that yeah. significant. He is that significant yeah. to uh, Australia, Banjo Patterson. Okay. On the $10 bill. So that's, that's how you know, I kind of got into poetry. And... Um, um, and you know we're going to talk about um, the banjo today, and and you've got to also put in context you know the era that he was writing in, and um, the audience the audiences that he had. Mm. So, um, so he, he was writing to an audience. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a very ignorant question to ask, but I can't help myself. Is banjo his real name? Because I hear the strumming of the banjo, and is when I listen to the poetry. Andrew. Andrew is his. First is name. Andrew? So yeah. he he, partic- he went out. He understand the mur- the music and the he, the how lyrical it was yeah. in terms of that's yeah. how banjo came to be. Well, he was actually. I'm not sure how it came to be, but he was always known as the banjo. So, and that was his byline. You know, um, and because it is, it's got that lyrical, mel- um, melodic um, form to it, that A-A-B-B-C-C, so every last word you know, mm-hmm. is a rhyming. Oh, rhyming crafty. Yeah. yeah. I think he got that off Shakespeare. But, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The banjo and Shakespeare. Never yeah. thought I'd say that together. Bard. <laughs> yeah. Just a different yeah. type of bard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will also, before we get into the poem, I'll just say, you know, he was quite a remarkable guy. Um, so he was... Um, you know, his father was a poet as well, and his grandmother loved poetry as well. So um, that's where it was instilled. But he was a lawyer, became a lawyer. Then he didn't like that. Then he became, but he was also writing poetry. Then he became a war correspondent. Then he became an. In World War One, he was too old to um, 
to fight, so he became an ambulance driver in World War One. And, mm. and you know, he's a remarkable guy. Mm. And his most famous, so he obviously, um, and understand listening audience that I'm not talking to Australians here, and my so my uh, interviewers are not Australian. <laughs> so he's most famous for having um, an online. You know, if it was in today's today's age, these guys would be going hammer and tongs on Twitter at each other. Or TikTok. Or t- no, Twitter, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's they were kind of, you know, so the, the story is um, that between the 18, you know, for a couple of years, around 1890, thereabouts like that, there was a, there's another very famous Australian poem, poet called Henry Lawson. Yes. Um, Henry, so Banjo wrote his poetry, uh, Banjo was a well-to-do guy or from a well-to-do family and and wrote on this romantic vision of the bush. Mm. Henry Lawson, on the other hand, was knockabout, um, never had much money, but with a brilliant mind. But he he wrote on the darker side of the bush. And both of them published their works in um, a magazine which... Uh, is called the was called the Bulletin. Mm-hmm. I'm not yep. sure if yeah, you've heard, um, yeah. and I'm not actually sure if it's still published anymore in this digital age. Mm. But um, certainly, it was the preeminent um, um, publication of its time. You know, everyone sort of read the Bulletin, so they would have these um, poems, and there's a series of poems, probably about um, ten in all, between them each um, having a go at it at the other person for writing about, you know, Banjo would write about this, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, Henry, because, um, you know, you always see the dark side of things. And and then Henry would reply, but, you know, Banjo, your life is one big um, party and you, you always see the good in everybody. And, and the poems reflect that. And they do that through their writing. So they weren't writing letters at each other. It was in their poems that they were oh. writing against each other. So, so they kind of had that idealist versus the realist. realist yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite remarkable. And so, and, and, um, so that was that was quite a famous stoush, and everyone realised it was at the time. Um, and I'm sure it sold a few more copies for the Bulletin as well. So mm-hmm. they um, they <laughs> pressed. See what it. dig was going to come yeah, next. That's right. <laughs> and um, but they were certainly the the two most famous of all of the um, the Australian poets. Um, so Henry's Henry's audience, you know, Henry figured out. Oh, sorry, start again. Banjo figured out that his audience. Um, wanted to listen to happy, romanticised, um, cartoonish mm. visions because it was a form of entertainment and you know, um, and escapism in some ways. Yeah, and yeah. escapism and you know, no TVs, no radios. It was it was came it came out in bulletins or other publications, and that was it. There was nothing else. So he was trying to, um, I guess, up the mood and up the tempo and create this um, vision oh, of what of what he yeah. saw as um, this romanticized bush life which was particularly hard and barren yes no, no yeah. question about yeah. it um, but it, he made it sound oh, okay it's actually not too bad mm. so he had that pastoral yeah. tendency to where he took took something that was hard like shepherding yeah. and and romanticize yes. it as like you're out yeah. in nature and how lovely Clancy of the overflow yes, yes. exactly yes. the light and dark yeah. of the bush yeah mm. well I know both of you ladies will know Walsing Matilda yeah so he wrote the words and the tune to Walsing Matilda so 
you know, that waltzing Matilda is, you know, is a particularly up. Well, it tells the story yeah. of, um, you know, of uh, some bushmen sort of walking around, and you know, they they get their little jumbucks, which are sheep, yeah. and the 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 you know the police come down and try and take them off them, and and you know the rest of the story. But you know, that it's that romantic. I've got to get away from the cops. You know, I, I survive and, uh, yeah. and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. You know, incredibly famous people, and um, uh, and you know, they just had the knack. They just yeah. they just had it. Okay, well, I'm I'm ready to be impressed here. Like I like I said, I'm not. This is typically not my genre, yeah. but um, take it away. So today we're doing the bush christening. Yeah. So I'll just just uh, put a writer in there as well. So um, church particularly, so particularly important in. Um, Early Australian life. Okay. Alcohol. More important. Particularly important <laughs> in early Australian life. Just early. Yeah. And, and which uh, one survived? <laughs> well, alcohol, I think, is uh, yeah, good point. I think alcohol has got its nose in front. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should. Have said that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> It's been yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. Look back at it. You know, I, I think I've got to give it to alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, church very important. So um, because people lived far and wide apart, very few churches. So the, the priest was a roving priest. So he would go over, you know, he would have a tour. Yeah. And that tour would encompass, you know, many months and he'd go from little house to shed to little town to village and so on and so forth. And so people didn't always get a chance to go to um, church on a Sunday. And kids also, you might not see a preacher for a couple of years. And so you couldn't always get christened. Mm. But because of, you know, the church had done such a good job, if you weren't christened and you died, well, then there was only one place you were going to go. Um, so everyone, everyone wanted their kids christened, mm. um, and so a bush christening is really a story about that. So gotcha. they've got to wait till the preacher comes around, and somehow alcohol gets involved. Okay, <laughs> so take it away. The bush christening. Bush christening by A. B. Banjo Patterson. On the outer Baku, where churches are few and men of religion are scanty, on a road never crossed it by folk that are lost, one Michael McGee had a shanty. Now Mike was a dad of a ten-year-old lad. He was plump, healthy, and stoutly conditioned. He was strong as the best, but poor Mike had no rest, for the youngster had ne'er been christened. And his wife used to cry, if the darling should die, St. Peter would not recognize him. But by luck, he survived till a preacher arrived who agreed straightway to baptize him. Now the artful young rogue, while they held their collogue, with his ear to the keyhole was listening. And he muttered in fright as his features turned white. What the devil and all is this christening? He was none of the adults. He'd seen them brand colts, and it seemed to his small understanding. If the man in the frock made him one of the flock, it must mean something like branding. Mm -hmm. So away with a rush, he set off for the bush. With the tears in his eyelids, they glistened. "'Tis outrageous," says he to brand youngsters like me. "'I'll be dashed if I'll stop to be christened." Like a young native dog, he ran into a log, and his father, with language uncivil, never heeding the paste, cried aloud in his haste, "'Come out and be christened, you devil!' <laughs> but he lay there as snug as a bug in a rug, and his parents in vain might reprove him. Till his reverence spoke, he was fond of a joke." 
I have a notion, says he, that will move him. Poke a stick up the log, give the spalpeen a prog. Poke him easy, don't hurt or maim him. Tis not long that he will stand it, and of the water at hand, and he rushes out this end, I'll name him. Here he comes, and for shame you've forgotten the name, is it Patsy or Michael or Dennis? <laughs> Here the youngster ran out, and the priest gave a shout, Take your chance anyhow with McGuinness. As the howling young cub ran away to the scrub where he knew that pursuit would be risky, the priest, as he fled, flung a flask at his head that was labelled McGuinness's whiskey. And McGuinness McGee has been made a JP, and the one thing he hates more than sin is, is to be asked by the folk who've heard of the joke how he came to be christened McGuinness. Oh, very good. <laughs> I've got to applaud that right. one. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to that christening. Yeah, well, so... That was it. And, you know, it's full of fun, full of life. Tells a story about a naughty kid, you know, all that sort of um, that sort of genre. And uh, you can hear that humor. Yeah. You, you know, can, you can yeah. just and you can just uh, you can't help but smile. Yeah. yeah. Listening yeah. to that yeah. story. Yeah. And so my so many of his poems um, are like that. And we could have chosen you know, one of 20 that uh, that are of a similar nature. And mm. um um, and there was a there's there was a whole raft of um, of poems that um, that Australians wrote or you know new Australians wrote at that particular time that um, reflect reflect um, well today and yeah. um, and they help shape the character and the conditions that we live in today. So I find this the humor in it reminds me of, the parallel for me is Ogden Nash you know candy is dandy but liquor is quicker like yeah. that's my reference point and I remember like understanding that as a young kid and wonder do you think that this has the appeal today with young people that it did with you say when you were 10 or 11 yeah your dad bribed you into doing it but why aren't young australian men reading or listening to the works mm. of banjo patterson because it's it's funny it's one of the most entertaining things you can find mm. right do you, do you have a thing for that? Do yeah, well, I think we all know the answer to that. And, and um, well, in my opinion, I think it's, one, because of the um, the rise of, uh, shall we say, shall we say um, I, the IT tools that we all play with today, phones and um, the programs that are on them. So um, back when I was growing up, it was, you know, books and TV. Um when banjo was writing, it was just books. Um, so there are there are many more distractions and m much more competition for children's minds. And I think that um, for most people, um, stuff that you do as a kid sticks, and it's very hard to come in at later life and um, you know when you're 30 or 40 or 50 and then start reading poetry and go, oh, that's really good. So. You know, we, I've tried with um, with my kids, and um, and when you when they read it and you do it, they love it. But there are so many other distractions for them today mm. that it 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 is. I find it very hard to get them to um, pr not prioritize it, but to make it part of a part of their life, so to speak. Yeah. Um, that's my opinion as to um, why we can't. Um, I wonder too. It just. If because, I mean, we're in a relatively, I can't speak like right now, but peaceful 
time. Yeah. And their hardship hasn't been as much. And so that point of reference and that relatability to it, I wonder if that is a, a hurdle. Or I also wonder maybe has our humor changed for yeah. some reason yeah. in a bit? I, I, there's just, but I can't see how anybody wouldn't. Yeah. Find that. But, but are we still that culture? So are we so far removed from the bush mm. that those interesting things, like if you've ever been in the bush, everything is funny. Because mm. if you don't laugh, you cry, right? <laughs> so is it so that we're so far removed from the bush that they don't get it? You know, I like the it, it, one of my favorite lines, and there's about the branding, the yeah. association of I'm not cattle, I'm not sheep. This can't be good for me, right? And I just, I think of that and like, is it so that those stories don't have the meaning that they should have because we're so far removed from the bush? Is it urbanization that's taken us away from those wonderful stories about the culture and the things that was the quintessential Australian culture? Yeah, I think the, I think we've changed. I, sorry, I think the, um, the situation has changed now. So I, I think that what you need to have now is someone from the bush writing about the city and that you'd be finding the same humour that those guys who live still out in the bush, but there's far fewer of them right now, um, to come into the city and, and to go into the middle of Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane and, and look around and try and figure out what the hell's going on. But um, because I think that we, you know, the bush doesn't exist in the same way that it did 150 years ago. Um, it's it's now, you know, the bush is, has come in towards the city, you know, the bush has got the internet, um, they've got better communications, um, f apart from being isolated by, you know, sometimes several thousand kilometres, they have access to information that any kid in the city has as well because of the internet now. So that, that bush, that, that difference between the bush and the city, I think, has, has gotten further apart in some respects. In, um, in other respects, it's closed in because of the free flow of information mm, yeah. that, that exists these days. But one of the things that Banjo captured here was a point in time, yep. right? Mm. So it doesn't matter where you are. There are those moments in time that you really want to preserve and he's managed to oh, yeah. preserve it yeah. right because priests don't rove around anymore to christen 10 year olds <laughs> and there's a decorum at christening that you wouldn't expect right you wouldn't expect this kid to be running around but i, I think that maybe we're missing that and how wonderful it is to have that as a part of your culture mm -hmm. that you can look back and say there is this point in time that these things happened you know and um I imagine in the church you don't gobble again as the way you would at the sort of bush kind of celebrations that you did. So there, there are these moments in time that Banjo is capturing, and he, there's like the rhythm, rhythm that it comes with for me could not be done in any other format. It had to be this. Yeah, and the the language choices in there as well. Um, I think what he was playing with with a lot of those og sounds yeah i heard those quite a bit uh they're they're very uh tough 
yeah. and strong and masculine. Masculine. They're, they're actually masculine <laughs> rhymes. They, they do. They do. They 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 gender rhymes. Yeah. It's either a masculine or a feminine rhyme, and those are very masculine yeah. rhymes because they're those strong. Yeah. Um, the vowel and the consonant are are both. Yeah, do a thing. And bit. quite a few words in this have have been lost to your current modern day language. So there's at least half a dozen words in there that we don't use anymore that mm. people would probably have no clue what are. What are those words, if you okay. don't mind? So, um, spalpeen. What is that? Uh, rascal, naughty kid. Okay, okay. So it's the same as a larrikin? No. It's when you grow up, you become a larrikin. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's a younger version of yes. a larrikin. Yes, 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 yes. It's like a mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> a prog. P-R-O-G. Okay. No idea. Punch. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. See, there's um, that og. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Baku. Okay. No clue. Outback. In the outer okay. Baku. Yeah, okay. okay. So is that a region or is that just a description of the environment? No, no, no. It's a description of somewhere out the back of the... It just means far, 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 far away. away. What do they okay. say now? <laughs> Bush. Bush. No, but they... they no, when the... Uh, Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Yeah. <laughs> whoop whoop. I know whoop whoop. Damn. It is whoop whoop. Yeah. It was an early yes. whoop whoop. Yes. Set Baku. Out the Baku. It's that place yeah. you can't get to quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and there'll be a few more words in there as well. That, um, so it's that the preservation of language then. Yeah. So it's it's how, you know, in this point in time, the language that, that we use. And the descriptors are great. Um, shanty. So in my mm. head, I think I know what a, sh- what a shanty is. It's a, but is a little bit on the worse side, a little bit yeah. on the lower side than a shack. Yeah. yeah, I know. But I always think of the shanty towns that you have like in a development context. Yeah. And maybe this is not quite the same, but sort of a similar okay. description. So a shanty is uh, out then, um, dirt floor, shingles, um, <clears throat> humble, very humble above. Very, obviously, no running water or anything yeah. like that. So it was just really a shelter. Like yeah, a, basically a lean to. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> all that. It's we're, there. We're, you're, always, living, you're living tough. If yeah, you're shanty, but I always, I always consider shanty like a town at which is like a lot of that happening, not just as a as yeah. an individual thing. Well, so the the priests they carried their own alcohol with them because you know they had interesting. To well, they had to christen, so you know christening alcohol, but. You know, he just happened. So to not have... the holy water that I got christened no, with. No, okay, no, no, now no. I get it. So you were christened with alcohol. I had Al- holy water at my christening. No, I have well, to tell you. No, you were christened with alcohol because <laughs> alcohol um, served many purposes. It just okay. wasn't christening. So you know they've got to carry the stuff and they're on horseback. The disinfectant. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> snake bite. Yeah, snake bite. Ex- exactly. Yep. Disinfectant. Okay. Yeah. And you know the party after the christening. Okay, um, so, and all these in guys, one. these guys were gone for weeks and weeks at a time, just yeah. you know, with their little either on horseback or a little uh, horse and carriage, and um, they went around, slept rough, and that was how the word of our Lord got passed around, okay. as it had in Europe for a thousand years. You know, before church, well, churches were there, but but priests were mainly um, traveling salesmen is mm. really effectively what they were for four or five hundred years. With grog? With Well, in <laughs> Europe, probably in Europe they had grog as well, but certainly here they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. It was mandatory. One last thing. I was wondering if another reason why we might not have the same propensity towards poetry is that we're, we're being less and less of a reading culture and more of a visual culture and that's what you were talking about with the IT and the Mm. devices and everything like that and I was just wondering wouldn't it be interesting if we could find a way where we could 
uh, infiltrate <laughs> that space with poems and with poetic ideas so that we can... You mean put it on TikTok? It, kind <laughs> of, yeah. Right. That was so my you, you first thing. That's you what I was have, thinking. You this have, is content creation I know, here. And yeah. you could do little 20-second clips yeah, of that right. sort of thing and have it in your YouTube feed or your TikTok feed and... Good idea. Yeah, there, there you go. go. That's a business idea for you, TV. Hey. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, you know, it's, you can't get this again. Mm. This is precious. This is, this is the thing you want to preserve, right? Poetry is what we need to preserve. And so we have to find ways to get to the new audiences, you know, to ensure that our young people don't get lost on. There's humility. There's the humble nature of living. There's the shanties that exist today, but we talk about it quite differently, mm -hmm. right? And as you say, there's competing voices of the light and darkness of how you look at the Bush experience. That happens in our society today. True. But we're not seeing a lot of that preserved through poetry yeah. in the way that it could. It tends to be more on the darker side and not the lighter side. So I think we have to preserve things like this. And for me, as someone outside of Australia coming in, uh, this was great for me to get an appreciation of that bush culture. So when I go out in the bush, I actually get it now. Mm. I actually get it, and I, and I can't say I did before, and Banjo Patterson has been that person because that's really the only bush poetry that I know is the work of Banjo Patterson, and I always think, wow, you know, it's rhythm. It keeps you from getting into that dark place. And the use of language, mm. like a like a bug in a rug, you know, <laughs> snug like yeah. a, snug yeah. like a, a bug in a rug. rug. Yeah. It's clever, <laughs> you know. And that's been uh, actually that's a very um, that phrase. And I haven't researched where it came from, but as a kid, your parents always said, "I'm going to tuck you up as snug, snug as a bug in a rug." Yeah. And um, you know, it's I'm not sure if Banjo is Coined the author it. of that, yeah. but um, he certainly used it. And I think that was written in 1890 something. This particular one, yeah. so it's been around for a long time. And I really like his ear to the keyhole was, was listening because yeah. I could visualize that. Because remember, as kids, we go, you know, yeah. that was the way we listened, you yeah. know. Um, so there, there's so many things about the writing that made it so accessible to everyone. It was language, it was used by everyone, it the could pages. be understood, everything. So yeah. Kids could accept it because they're talking about a child. The yeah. parents would go, I know, it's the same as my boy, yeah. he was just like that. You could relate. So, yeah, you could relate to it all. So it was, yeah. it's very clever writing. Very clever writing. So we have to do a TikTok. We'd have to start doing TikToks, poetry and, TikToks. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and there's a lot of source material out there to do it. You yeah. could be doing TikTok for years. Yeah, we could do little animations with it. You could. Have the yeah. story being told. Take over the internet. <gasps> oh Let's God. do it. It's <laughs> a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just think that, yeah. you know, life inspired by poetry for me, you know, reflection on the humble life of people going through so much in their lives makes me understand that whatever I have to complain about, I shouldn't. Mm. <laughs> and I just think this is a blessing. This is a gift, it is a gift. that has been bestowed on yep. all of us. And I, and I wish we'd understand that a little bit. Yeah, this is a gift and all experience, all human experience yeah. is valuable and should be cherished and have this legacy mm. so that we understand the differences because that's yeah. what makes life beautiful yeah yeah and um 
so I guess on a on a leaving note, um, so banjo was just one person, right? Yeah. So there've been many others. So if I can leave something with you, okay, maybe for next time. Okay. And so so what are we? We're twenty twenty three now. In 1919, this poem was released by a Roman Catholic priest, of all things, um, going under the pseudonym of John O'Brien. And it's called Said Hanrahan. And it basically is, um, if anyone's seen the Monty Python skit of um, four uh, retired, well-to-do um, Yorkshiremen sort of sitting around talking about their life and how tough they had it when they were kids. So you've got four um, old guys sitting outside a church talking about the weather and how tough it is. So and and it's each all, one getting each, more and each more. one's getting older. <laughs> so they and they go through floods and fires and then floods again and then fires again and that sort of thing. So maybe next time we can do said Hanrahan. Oh, definitely. Because because it really reflects the life that we live, you know, in Queensland yeah. in 2023. It's been nothing but floods and fires. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I definitely think yeah. we should. This has been wonderful, Peter. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. for coming Thanks, along. TB. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Really appreciate it. And again, um, it surprised me in that I expected more blokiness about it what i found was humanity so thank you very much for sharing very much all right everyone well we thank you for listening as well see you next time